Chapter 5, Creating a Culture for Forgiveness and Reconciliation in the Workplace. Every organization has a definable culture. The only question is, does it shape you or do you shape it? Defining and leading your culture starts with you. And to overwhelm the old culture, you have to move quickly and achieve critical mass. Start next week. Get everyone in the conference room. Developing a winning culture precedes any successful program or initiative your company's involved with. You can spend millions of dollars on a new billing system, but if you have a toxic culture, you're throwing money down the drain. The toxic culture will choke out any gain from your investment. What pending or future organizational-wide initiative may need to be put on hold until you address your culture? Culture can be the biggest contributor to the organizational success, and failure is more tied to the human dynamics, forgiveness and reconciliation, than technical expertise. Cultural barriers include internal competition between departments, top-down management styles, lack of trust, hidden agendas between people and teams, conflict avoidance, lack of a personal accountability, and lack of forgiveness and reconciliation, to name only a few. So take a few minutes and list some of the cultural barriers in your organization. So what is culture? Your culture encompasses the values and behaviors that contribute to the unique social and psychological environment of your organization, influencing the way people interact, the context within the knowledge is created, the resistance they will have towards certain changes, and ultimately the way they share, or the way they don't share, knowledge. Culture represents the collective values, beliefs, and principles of your employees, your board members, customers, and is a product of factors such as your history, products, markets, technology, strategy, type of employees, and management and leadership styles. Your culture includes organizational mission, vision, values, norms, systems, symbols, language, assumptions, environment, your location, your beliefs, and your habits. Key questions. How would you describe your organization's culture? Are you satisfied with your culture? If not, why and what needs to change? How do you create a culture for forgiveness and reconciliation? Number one, acknowledge it's an issue keeping your organization from reaching greater levels of success. Number two, Tell your personal story of forgiveness and reconciliation. Number three, model forgiveness and reconciliation. Four, facilitate forgiveness and reconciliation. Number five, expect forgiveness and reconciliation. Number six, celebrate forgiveness and reconciliation. Seven, monitor forgiveness and reconciliation. Eight, incorporate forgiveness and reconciliation into organizational values. Number nine, 
conduct a culture audit. Number 10, consider forgiveness and reconciliation rituals like I seek your friendship we talked about earlier. 11, teach and expect your organization's leadership to forgive mistakes. 12, teach and expect leaders to apologize. 13, create happy workplaces. Studies show that when employees are happy at work, they are much less prone to negative behaviors such as revenge. They also are more likely to think the best about others and less likely to assume the others are out to get them. 14, view the new employee orientation process as one of the most important opportunities to communicate the organization's mission, vision, goals, objectives, priorities, and guiding principles, and have it delivered by your senior management. 15, be sincerely interested in your employees as people as well as team members. 16, spend the first 10 minutes of every day simply walking around and saying good morning. Can't afford to spend this much time every morning? You can't afford not to. 17, appreciate what others bring to the table. You may be an engineer and a bottom line, no nonsense type of guy while your direct report is a right brain sales representative. Appreciate and value those differences, the drivers, the analyticals, the expresses, and the aimables. 18. Build, maintain, and understand the dynamics of your team. Remember, teams go through predictable stages of growth. Recognize, manage, and own each stage. The form, the storm, the norm, the perform. 19. Establish, nurture, and maintain trust. If you've given someone feedback only to feel they'd never heard and or acted upon it, check the trust level between you and that person. Trust has to be present for feedback to be received and implemented. 20. Give immediate feedback versus storing it up for performance appraisals. People hate surprises, and storing up this feedback for months only creates animosity. If you have constructive feedback, give it and move on. Avoid those poop sandwiches where you give a little bit of positive, a negative, and then end with more positive. If you do this on a regular basis, no one will ever hear the positive because they know what will follow and are still thinking about it, what just happened, while you're delivering the positive feedback at the end of the less than effective performance appraisal. 21. Utilize the talent of your employees. The worst feeling in the world is waiting to get in the ball game and contribute, but the coach is ignoring you. In fact, the worst thing you can do to someone is to ignore him or her. It may have worked on the playground when you were a child, but in the workplace, the results are much more damaging. 22. Treat your employees as colleagues, sparring on an equal basis. They know who's boss. And if you treat the employees with respect, they'll not exploit that relationship. Remember the transition from high school to college when certain professors started treating us like adults? This was liberating as well as motivating, and we didn't stop going to class and become disengaged. On the contrary, we started setting up front, participating more, and improving our grades drastically. 23. Be interested, understanding, and supportive of your employees' lives outside the workplace. Ask your employees about their families, know their children's names, and what they're involved in. 
Avoid sending emails after 6 p.m. and before 7 a.m. Your employees model your behavior, even an unbalanced work life. 24. Create the appropriate amount of tension. A popular metaphor is that of a rubber band, which represents the challenge we need and want in our jobs. Imagine pulling a rubber band between your two index fingers. If it's too loose, you're not challenged and you will become bored. If the rubber band is stretched too tight, you're stressed and more likely to burn out. If there's an appropriate amount of tension, you're challenged and more likely to achieve peak performance. Athletes call this the zone or the flow. Create it with your team. 25. Strive for respect, not fear. If your employees fear you, both you and the organization lose. Groupthink sets in, and your employees will never speak up for fear of retaliation. Creating a culture of love. If you know you can manage, if you love, you can lead. Loving includes what Gary Chapman outlines in the five love languages. Gifts, number one, in the form of rewards for performance. Quality time, spending time with your employees. Touch, not necessarily physical, but pats on the back, recognition for a job well done. Words of affirmation, praising employees, positive reinforcement. Acts of service, servant leadership. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8. How does this scripture relate to our work life? Rituals. The annual Gallup poll on employee engagement routinely lists four main reasons for employee engagement. Number one, a personal relationship with one's immediate supervisor. Two, the opportunity to get in the ballgame and apply one's skills and talents. Three, to feel appreciated. Four, friends at work. A client secured my services to do four sessions over a one-year period. I took the above four reasons for employee engagement and customized those four sessions. Now, I will admit the manager in my client, you mean this is going to take a couple hours away from my busy work, looked a little concerned at a few of my exercises, these rituals. But the leader in her Wow, this couple of hours will pay huge dividends in future productivity and effectiveness. Prevailed, as she commented numerous times since then, it was indeed a culture changer. Here's a glimpse of those two exercises. Happy Thanksgiving. In one session, I had each of the 75 participants take a few minutes to write down who in the room they needed to thank for something they had done in the past. It was November, so the session with Thanksgiving holiday approaching worked well. And perhaps it's something you could do in your organization every November. I then opened it up for them to share with whomever they were thankful. I directed them to look at that person and thank them by name, rather than looking at me and saying, you know, Tom's always helped for me, Greg. Again, I will admit there was a minute of silence before one gentleman spoke up and said, I'll go first. 
He thanked at least three team members, and then it took off. Some of them even asked, how much time do I have? I replied, as much time as you need. This went on for almost two hours, laughing, crying, and most importantly, hearts warmed by words of appreciation. The second ritual, I seek your friendship. The next intervention, which was separate session one month later, covered friendship within the organization. We ended the way I remember we ended each fraternity meeting in college. Now, before my fraternity brothers blow a gasket thinking I'm sharing a sacred ritual, I seriously doubt this is a part of our actual ceremony versus just a darn good idea from a Sigma Chi who preceded us. I had participants form a circle. The first person in the circle, who happened to be the CEO, started by turning to the next and simply saying, I seek your friendship. The response was, you'll find it here. The first person then goes to the second person and repeats. The second person then turns to the third and repeats. At the end of this exercise, every team member had looked each other in the eye with a friendship request, I seek your friendship, followed by affirmation, you'll find it here. The brilliance of this exercise as a fraternity member many years ago was the forgiveness, reconciliation, and closure that was achieved every Sunday night before we started the week. The brilliance can continue in our organizations. Again, I will admit there was a little uncomfortableness at the beginning of this exercise, but I continue to receive feedback on the value and the culture change that has resulted. The third ritual, we choose to throw our grievances in the fire. Another fraternity ritual had each pledge completing a journal, which included grievances against active fraternity members. Our grievances were numerous as fraternities were no country clubs back in the day. Over one of the many late night bonfires, the pledges were asked about our grievances against the actives. We were then informed the actives had completed the same exercise with grievances against the pledges. They were numerous as we were a pretty cocky group. Surprisingly, the fraternity president, the CEO, came forward with a basket of the active, the leadership's grievances declaring, we choose to burn ours. At that point, a pledge, representing an employee, announced on behalf of our group, we choose to burn our grievances as well. Forgiveness, reconciliation, and closure achieved. This ritual proved helpful with an organization that I was consulting with and that was experiencing significant interdepartmental conflict. Each department listed personal grievances business issues were later identified and addressed, against each other, and after a little prompting, both parties agreed that throwing personal grievances away was the best course of action moving forward. We then transitioned to a formal strategic planning session. The fourth ritual, stop, start, continue. This exercise works well with intact teams who are stuck in the storm stage but with some degree of trust among team members as the individual feedback can be intense and somewhat painful. For these reasons, I suggest a professional facilitator with guidelines, the norms, clearly outlined on how the session should be implemented. Here's how it works. If there are eight team members, each team member will have eight sheets of paper, one with their name and one page for the remaining seven team members. 
on each sheet of paper, there should be three columns. Number one, the following is what I personally would like you to stop doing. Number two, the following is what I personally would like for you to start doing. And number three, the following is what I personally would like for you to continue doing. Step one. Step one is a quiet individual time where each team member completes one sheet for each team member, including one for his or herself. For eight team members, you're probably looking at least one hour for this portion of the exercise. Step two is the individual feedback. This process starts with an individual team member, team member number one, taking their sheet, sharing what they personally would like to individually stop doing, start doing, and continue doing. Step three is for each team member to deliver feedback with the team member who volunteers to go first. That team member is directed to simply listen with no response until everyone has delivered his or her feedback. Step four is allowing the team member who just received the feedback to ask clarifying questions to his or her team members. This process is repeated with the remaining team members. I suggest upon completion an overall debrief on the process and a collective commitment to move to the norm stage as soon as possible. Strategies for this movement should be discussed. Because of the sensitivity of this exercise, I cannot emphasize enough the importance of and the need for a professional and experienced facilitator. I would also encourage this exercise only to be done with an intact team and a team that has been together for a significant amount of time. An off-site location is preferred. Current reality. It will be difficult to improve your culture without a sense of where you are currently. A culture audit should be considered. So what is a culture audit? Number one, where are you now? So identify key stakeholders who would provide you feedback regarding your culture. Quantitative research. Qualitative research. Perhaps interviews with key stakeholders. Key themes are identified from the qualitative and the quantitative research. If you hear it more than five times, it's probably a theme. One to two times, an anomaly. Number two, where do you want to be? Number three, how do you get there? What are those changes, modifications, or investments that need to be made? And then number four is measure your success in one year. Internal culture session. This works well with a conference or with an intact group. Divide your organization to subgroups. Have each subgroup define the culture of, number one, your team, number two, your department, number three, the overall organization. So the process within each subgroup, individual team members share the responses from the above questions. Each subgroup is directed to develop themes from the subgroup's collective feedback and appoint a spokesperson. After a designated time, the subgroups come together sharing cultural themes with the larger group. Ideally, an internal culture team is assembled from a cross-section of employees taking the above findings and developing a culture enhancement plan. This plan is eventually presented to senior management for approval and commitment to implement. 
Considered an expert in human behavior and organizational dynamics, Greg Coker is the author of Building Cathedrals, The Power of Purpose, and The Soft Skills Field Manual, The Unwritten Rules for Succeeding in the Workplace. Greg's website is gregcokerdevelopment.com. He can be reached at 270-223-8343.